Welcome to the One Broken Cog Podcast. Join John and Brian as they share small adjustments that lead to major impacts. John Lester, how are you, my friend? Brian, what's going on on this beautiful day? Man, I'll tell you, our last podcast was so enlightening to to myself. I know yourself. We had a lot of response on it, but... uh, Man, sales turnover is is one of the biggest topics today. It's, it's nobody really knows what's causing it or the stats behind it. Would love to know, John. What what does sales turnover mean to you? Sales turnover to me means you. Uh, let me think about that for a second. Yeah, you take you take a salesperson, you you wrap them in dough and you bake them for twenty minutes and you got a sales turnover. That's what it means to me, Brian. No, no, no. In all it. seriousness, in all seriousness. Tell me well, what you're thinking. I'll tell you. I know you and I had a conversation and we were wondering, man, I wonder what it's like compared to the rest of the world. And, you know, because we do live in our own planet, you know, in sales. But I did look it up and what I found is, is really unbelievable. So the average sales turnover rate is 35%. Now, you want to compare that to an average turnover rate for all other industries of 13%. Sales turnover rate is nearly triple the average employee turnover rate. Man. That's cringe. That's, that's pretty. That's pretty ridiculous. It's, Some, it's, something's going on there. Something is going on, and it needs to stop. I mean, I, another stat I think we were talking about was the average tenure for sales in, in, in the past. I think ten years ago, it was three and a half years, and now it's dropped to one and a half years. So, so it, there's a half in ten years. Half actually, yeah, half in ten years. That's, that's nuts. Yeah, and here's, here's the kicker. The natural progression to those stats or this very last one is that voluntary sales turnover is one of the highest of any industry, and that's 16%. Yeah, but let's, let's – I'm going to go back to something for a second because I think there's a real, a real ridiculous problem in this. If, if your tenure has dropped from three years to a year and a half, what is, how long does it take to, um, to find a new salesperson? How long does it take to get a new salesperson up to speed? Yeah, I think the average is, is nine months. It's kind of like giving birth, right? It takes at least nine months to fully form and shape that person into the role. And I, I know from the people that we've talked to, and, and a lot of the stats prove it, that people are not given, not only are they not given enough tools and training, but they're really not given enough time to achieve the goals put in front of them. And that's a whole other subject is the goal itself. I know we'll get there in this conversation. Yeah, but what's, I mean, the, the- the biggest reason for salespeople leaving, and then there are a number of reasons. I mean, whether it's because uh, the company didn't work out or because the person saw a better opportunity, they saw more money. Um, I've seen friends of mine leave companies because somebody that they worked for in the past went to a new company and they wanted to go work for that person again, which is kind of cool. Those, from what I understand, are all very small on a percentage basis. But the, the biggest reason that, it, that salespeople leave, in fact, the biggest reason for employee departure at all regardless of, of industry, regardless of function, is unhappy with their manager. So if, if we're saying that the tenure rate went from three years to a year and a half or three and a half to a year and a half, um, if the turnover rate is 35%, sounds like we got, it's not the sales reps we got to look at. It sounds like it's the manager we got to look at. No, it's true, John. It really is. And it's rare that anybody ever looks at the manager. It's we always need to look at the rep and what's going on. They don't want to look at the system. They don't want to look at the training. They don't want to look at uh, any of those things. It's basically, well, we'll just, we've got a, a steady stream of candidates. We'll just go ahead and we'll throw the spaghetti in the wall and hopefully something sticks. But I'm telling you, 
if you, if you look at the average cost to replace a sales rep, it's it's right around 115 grand a head. So that we're talking about millions and millions of dollars lost because of this this mismanagement or this this lack of alignment here. Yeah, that's that's kind of scary. Um, and and I I wonder what I wonder what that is really all about. I mean, is is the manager that disconnected with with what it takes to make the sales team successful or to assist the sales team in being successful? Or is the manager just um, a puppet for senior management and, and really there just to collect their paycheck and then get, get on with their life, doesn't really care. And, and senior management is completely disconnected from, from what it takes to, to be completely aligned in the organization so this doesn't happen. I don't know. Maybe it's the same problem. I, yeah, I think it is. I mean, it's, it's, you know, we talked the other day about you know, as much as 60% of reps uh, say they're more likely to leave their job if their manager is a poor coach. And you, and you can see the numbers they're leaving in record numbers. So, um, I mean, even, even as low as 30 minutes, I, you look here as sales reps with 30 minutes or less of sales coaching per week receive win rates of 43%. Those that receive at least two hours of coaching a week have a win rate of 56%. So, you know, we, we've taken the coaching out is because the person doesn't know how to coach is because they're unqualified. But the greater problem here, and I think you've hit the nail on the head, John, is the fact that when a new manager comes in, and this could be a 50-50 split here, they're given a goal. And, you know, we've, we've talked to business owners and asked them, you know, how do you determine your goal? Is it based on historical uh, achievements or wins? Is it based on data? And a lot of times it's not. It's just what they think is appropriate. So there goes your goal rates being missed. But the sales manager, instead of saying, you know, I think it's, this is incorrect and I'll tell you why, because of tacit approval and the fact that, hey, I'm just going to take this job, I'm going to give it the old college try, they look to appease that CEO and they put themselves in a bad place. And they go out there and hold their sales reps' feet to the fire, all the while not really believing in that goal. And it's just a domino effect. The whole thing comes crashing down. It, well, you, you're, you're, raising, you're raising a number of issues immediately. Um, ouch. I mean, one of the, one of the issues you're raising is a, a potential complete disconnect, which I believe is the primary issue of – whether we're talking about founders or owners or senior management of the organization to what a successful sales method methodology and sales philosophy really looks like. And this goes back to, to um, you know, the basis of what we talk about, which is the alignment. Um, I, I really would question how many of these folks even begin to understand completely what it takes to, to build and to run and to retain a successful sales environment. Now, now, and, and here's, here's the thing that really gets even more troubling when you think about it. We've talked about the fact that there was the, that quote that talked about uh, by the end of 2020, a million sales jobs would be lost. We talked about um, the notion that uh, sales development reps and uh, direct-to-consumer technology is replacing a lot of the, uh, I, what I would call the one-call close or the simplistic sale function which means that in order for companies to be effective at the higher end and in the more complex sales, you're going to need better sales reps that are better versed at selling these, these more difficult solutions, whether you want to call it a solution sale or whether you, you know, depending on what philosophy you want to use, but selling is getting harder and, that, and that's a known fact, but if selling is getting harder, but sales management and, and business owners and business executives aren't understanding that the way they've been doing this job is not working. 
I don't see a very good future for a lot of these companies. Now, that's fine for their competitors because they're just going to eat their lunch. But I, I see a lot of salespeople that are going to flush out again, not be, from, from their own doing, but because of this, this lack of alignment with the entire process coming from sales management and coming from senior executives. Scary. Yeah, no, it really is. And I think that, you know, we'll talk about this on future episodes, you know, certain attributes of sales managers and how they're focusing on one core function versus being a complete uh, player. But I think that it bleeds down, you know, as they say, you know, crap rolls downhill. I think that from what we've seen, a lot of the CEOs, you know, as, as they say, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. They, they really do have great intentions, but they just don't understand the game. They don't understand what a sales methodology is or a process. They really don't understand that. And I think that when they're hiring for sales managers, they don't know what to look for and they don't know how to qualify that person properly. And they don't know what, what high performance is or they don't know the appropriate performance, so to speak, or how to set goals or how to set up a system at all. So you have to wonder most of the time, is it the sales manager's fault or are they being, are they being set up to fail? by a, I, you know, a system that's not supporting them or not allowing them to hit that target because it's very, very unrealistic. Well, I, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw something out there and, and, and hopefully, hopefully we'll get a, a lot of response to this. But, but at the end of the day, okay, at the end of the day, the job of a salesperson, when you really, really think about it, is to shift the perspective of the prospect to align with the perspective of the salesperson. Now, the better you are at that, the more, technically speaking, the more devious you can become. So if, if a sales manager is a very good salesperson and convinces the hiring per person or the, the, the business owner um, that they know what they're doing, and the only reason they're really getting in there is because they know, as an example, let's say, they know they can bleed a year to a year and a half out of that organization. They can make up a bunch of stories. Um, you know, then the fault is, is one on the part of the sales manager for misleading the business owner, but the business owners have got to start to understand that when they go and hire a salesperson, if they're not salespeople and if they're not good at understanding people and reading people and judging people and setting up the proper playbooks, if they're not good at it, how do they know how to make the correct decision? How do they know they're not being lied to? And the reality is it's all about what happens in that emotional first few minutes. And so, so kind of what I'm saying is, in a sense, the game's stacked against the business owners and the business leaders, unless, they're, unless they are salespeople. Right, and that's, what I, that's the thing where I'm kind of torn 50-50. 50%, you have to wonder if the, the CEO or, the, or the, you have a C-suite that could be undermining the sales manager. What I mean by that is you bring in somebody, you set clear expectations, you give them the canvas to paint on, and you give them freedom to hire who they want to hire, a process to set up, you name it, yet that CEO has their hand in what you're doing and they kind of slip into those meetings, well, maybe we should do this, well, I'd like you to do that. Whereas the sales manager is saying, hey, you know, let me play, see how this thing plays out. Let me have this from soup to nuts because this is my core competency. This is what I'm known for. Let me go and build this my way. But yet you have these CEOs that come in and undermine what that sales manager is looking to do. And it just, it, it, the, the cog breaks and the whole thing falls apart. Now, the other side to that is what you were saying. And they put somebody in there who is unqualified. They put somebody in there who's a manager, but not a leader. And then you have a lack of engagement from your employees and you have a lack of emotional commitment. 
And then the whole thing, the cog breaks there and you have churn, which is obviously if they don't like their manager and they don't believe in their manager, they are going to look elsewhere. So I'm not sure, John, where you, where you see this split. Is it 50, 50, 60, 40? I'm not sure, but both are very big problems. Well, I, yeah, I, I don't, I don't particularly see a need to determine what the split is because I think at the end of the day, um, if, if, the, if the sales manager candidate is playing a game, okay, that's their game. But the person who's getting hurt are, are the people on both sides of that equation. So the sales reps are getting hurt, okay? But also the business owner or the business executives are getting hurt. And so at the end of the day, you know, it goes, it goes back to that age-old question, if a five-year-old walks into your bedroom, your five-year-old walks into your bedroom, and you have a loaded revolver in the nightstand, and the five-year-old picks up the loaded revolver, goes out and shoots his sister, whose fault is that? Do you blame the five-year-old? No, you blame the parents, okay? So at the end of the day, it's the business owner's responsibility, not necessarily to understand sales, not necessarily to be a salesperson, but to understand the, the, the processes that they need to put in place so that they don't get fooled, so that they do have a roadmap, so that, the, so that what they're trying to accomplish has been verified as being reasonable or not reasonable. And, and you talk about this a lot. If, if you've done you know, half a million dollars in sales for the past four years to go, I think this year we want to do $10 million, that's, that's, not, that's not reasonable. Why are you doing that? Why are you handing out quotas to people that are five and 10 and 20 and 50 times what they can reasonably do in the course of the year based on history? without changing anything else. So somebody needs to be in there uh, coaching and working with the executives and the executives got to understand that they are part, they are the biggest part of their own problem. It's not, don't go blame the sales manager. They're playing a game on you, like it or not, they're playing a game on you, all right? It's like, it's like my buddy Wayne said to me years ago and I've, it, it's stuck in my head forever. He said, two people in a room, okay, Brian? He said, two, not three, not five, not, not six, two people in a room. One walks out sold every single time. I think Wayne so stole that from somebody, but <laughs> he might have. He might have. But, <laughs> no, but he's right. You know, no, it's true. It's he true. was also a great salesman. No, but I think you're right. I think that uh, sales managers, more often than not, and, and you know, I, I want to make a distinction. There's sales managers and there's sales leaders, right? So we're talking about managers here. Yeah. I think that uh, you're right. They are. They, they like to be a buffer between the sales team and the C-suite or the VP or whoever it is and you know, tell them what they want to hear and, of course, throw their sales team under the bus when most often, more often than not, mostly they don't have the tools. They're not getting what they need from that sales manager, and they're just a number cruncher. They're, they're a data collector, and that's not how you run a sales team, right? You have to lead. You have to coach. The numbers prove it and the churn numbers are so bad because of it. We've seen that. But you're right. I think that these, these executives really need to tighten up how they bring in sales leaders because most of the time they don't know how to do it. So obviously that's where we come in, uh, you know, hiring experts and coaches and knowing what to do, you know, setting up for success, showing them how it's done. And I think that the mistake they've been making is that the, it's either A, I want somebody who is a top performer because I want them to lead from the front. And then we're going to get in that player coach conversation, uh, which could be a mistake because just because they know how to close doesn't mean they know how to lead or manage or inspire. And the second thing is, well, we just want a straight manager. We want somebody who knows how to manage. Well, then of course your team is not going to respect that person because they don't know how to do what they're asking 
the team to be able to do? And how are you supposed to coach somebody to do something when you've never done it yourself? So there's a, there's a real balance there and people miss that. They don't know the questions to ask, right, John? I mean, we've seen CEOs, they have no idea what to ask. They have no idea what to look for and they are being sold a bill of goods. It's kind of like these politicians get up there and it's free pizza for everybody. You believe everything they say and they're, they're, they're tickling your ears and they're giving you what you want to hear and they're inspiring you to hire them so they can milk the cow, so to speak. And that it's a devastating long-term effect on that business. You and I have been able to help people get through this. And, uh, you know, really these people, CEO, VP, whoever is in charge, HR need to reach out to us so we can stop the bleeding. We need to put solid sales leadership in these positions so that your business can thrive. And, and listen, it takes a minute. John, you alluded to this earlier. It takes nine months. You need to give your people, whether that be managers or sales reps, the proper time to acclimate. Any 30, 60, 90 day plan, the first 30 days is learning and soaking up knowledge and asking questions and, and understanding not just the functions and features of said product or service, which is mostly what all trainings are these days, which is you're setting your people up to fail, but every intricacy of the department setting up a process and a system, analyzing it and making recommendations in the next 60 days on how to change it and make proper adjustments to it. Looking at the numbers, getting behind the data, finding the whys and sitting down with people and building relationships because that's also a key to leading. So I think, John, what I'm driving at and what you're driving at is the change needs to happen. The cogs are broken industry-wide. This is not a one thing. This is a macro. This is a micro there is a problem today and we've identified it. Now it's time to, to solve it. Now it's time to make it happen. Yeah. I mean, what, what business leaders need to understand um, is that they're human and, and they are susceptible to being sold as much as anybody else is. And, and the trick to selling is, as we know, um, the real trick to selling is where you can convince the prospect that there is more pain in staying where you are than making the change. So in other words, making the change is going to be less painful than staying in your current state. All right. And a good salesperson can pick up from the prospect what that balance looks like. And, and what these senior leaders have got to start to understand is that that is what is happening to them. And they are interviewing these sales managers um, and they're being sold. And that's not, you know, they, they can't get mad at the sales manager because the sales manager's job is to sell as well as manage because they, if, if they can't sell, they shouldn't be sales managers. So the, the, the business leaders need somebody. They need us in there to kind of level set, to kind of help them get aligned, to kind of say, hey, is your vision real? Can you really do that? Okay. Right. And there are tools um, to be able to connect, you know, for you know, with the C-suite or the VP to be able to connect to the sales team because a lot of times they never hear from them. It's always a sales manager buffering everything through them. So they don't hear or see or feel what's really going on. And there are tools and processes, of course, we've set up to where there's total transparency across the board. So there's no lack of alignment. But, you know, I got to tell you, John, this has been a great session because it really ties in everything we've been talking about in our past few episodes. And it really speaks to what we are doing in the current state of affairs and sales. And like we talk about, you know, small adjustments lead to major impacts. And I mean, I, I'll never forget one of our, our clients, you know, we sat down with this person and we, we were talking about quotas specifically and the structure of their sales organization. And that person was complaining to us, man, our sales team sucks. They're completely uh, out of alignment. They're not motivated or engaged. And here's what I want in a perfect scenario. This is what needs to happen. The sales quota needs to be X. It needs to be, I don't know, what was it, 500 grand. 
every month. Well, what have you done? Historic? Where did you get that number from? Well, it's what we need to take us to the next level in order to you know, get to the certain goal that we have. What are you basing it off of? What did this person do last month? This person did 30K. What did this person do last month? They did 5K. And you're expecting them in 30 days to do 500K? Well, let's look at the lead flow. Let's look at the number of activities they've had. Let's look at the... It's, so <laughs> in setting a proper quota system and making that small adjustment, you get quick wins. Your sales team says, man, I can achieve this. I can actually do this. They're happier. They are more engaged. You're looking out for them. It's called crawl, walk, run. I cannot have you, John, tomorrow go out and run a marathon, right? You're going to have to sprint and warm up to it and build up to it. That's, that's what happens. So a small adjustment leads to less churn. It leads to more engagement. It leads to actual quota being hit. It leads to eventually getting to that 500K, not when he wanted it, but eventually we are going to ramp up to get to that point. But again, I want to say this again, and John, you've seen it. I have seen it. We are living proof that small adjustments lead to major impacts. And if the cog is broken, folks, your machine will grind to a halt and your competitor's machine, their pistons are firing, their oil is flowing, and they're lapping you. They are going to get there before you and they're going to leave you in the dust. Yeah, and, and just a couple of quick points that we can finish up on. Where what One of the things I find so many senior executives and a lot of sales managers simply don't understand, um, and this is an area that... that um, not bragging, but I think I specialize in, is understanding what they really have to sell and what they are really selling. And I, I give an example, and this goes back many, many years to when organizations were selling hardware, uh, when we were selling computers. So the computer was actually what was being sold. And the computer would get sold for, you know, six, seven figures. And then the sales rep would go back to the customer and say, okay, you know, you have a, let's say, a, a year warranty or a six-month warranty. Do you want to buy a maintenance contract after the fact? And the, the, the pickup rate was relatively low. And somebody said, well, wait a minute. What happens if we just add it to the initial quote so that when they're going in for budget, since they're going in for a large budget and, and the, 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 ma the maintenance charges on these swings were running at the time somewhere between 18 to 21% of the purchase price. So think about this, Brian. So the, you, you ask your customer to go in and, and, and get a justification for a million dollars. And then you come back in six months later and ask them to get another justification for 180,000. Well, their boss in purchasing sees two separate requests. If they went in in the very beginning and said, let me get a, a, a requisition or a purchase order, for the million dollars plus an extra 18%, it's only $180,000. It seemed like so much less. I think that the numbers were running somewhere about 25 to 30% of the orders that were submitted that way for approval were automatically approved. So all of a sudden, the pressure to generate a 10% increase in revenue, it didn't come from 10% more selling. What it came from was an understanding of how people buy. And most go. business leaders don't understand that that's how that works. And we can help them understand that. We will. Hearts and minds, John, one at a time, right? All right. I'm, I actually got to go, uh, go mix up some dough and put a sales manager in my crust and bake them for so 40 minutes. <laughs> so in other words, John, we want Apple turnover, not sales turnover, right? Yeah, we want Apple turnover, Brian. Exactly. All I right. Apple or a good cherry? I kind of prefer cherry myself. I kind of prefer cherry too. I really do. All right, sir. Always a pleasure. John, it's been great. Can't wait for the next one. I'll talk to you soon. All right, my friend. All right, bye-bye.
was great spending time with you today. Maybe you liked what you heard. Maybe we sparked some controversy. Maybe we got you excited, but hopefully we got you thinking. Hey, we want to hear from you. If the topic resonated with you, if you have a comment, or if you have an issue you're serious about fixing, reach out to us today. Hey, Brian, how can they get in touch with us? Great question, John. Best ways email. Email us at results at onebrokencog.com. Together, we're going to help you make small adjustments that's going to lead to major impacts in your business and your revenue. 